I'm Devon Bolger, a student journalist from Christchurch. Every week I'll be talking to local councillors and politicians about the issues that matter to you. In an attempt to answer the question we're all asking, what does the future hold for the Garden City? This is What's Up Otatahi. and welcome to the fourth episode of What's Up Ōtutahi. I'm Devon Bolger, I'm a Pisces and I actually grew up just outside of Christchurch in a town called Rolleston. I'm here with Councillor Anne Galloway. Hey Anne. Kia ora. So Anne, what's your star sign? I'm an Aries. But <laughs> I, as I said, I would hope that it was uh, single-minded, determined, achieving, you know. We're going to be discussing a variety of topics for you guys over the next 20 minutes. We'll be talking youth and families, water chlorination and the smoke-free public places policy. So, let's crack on with it then. What's up, so, Anne, I want to learn more about what you specifically bring to the council and the kinds of things that you're interested in. I read an article from two years ago that said your main focus would be on helping families. Is that still true? Absolutely. Um, I, c- I come from a, a... My previous job was with... Um, Working with community, a community uh, lower, lower socioeconomic uh, community where families are struggling, and uh, quite motivated by the, well, very motiva- motivated by equity issues in the city, and making sure that everybody has got the opportunity, if they want to take it, to uh, achieve their full potential. I have um, several colleagues who are very motivated to make sure everyone has safe and dry housing. Um, looking at the poverty issues, looking at um, the living wage. Yeah, many of us are motivated uh, to achieve those things while we're this term. In that same article, you said, I'd love our city to be known as one that really values young people. How are we going with that so far? Well, I was instrumental in getting um, in our strategic framework, which is really our lens through which the council makes its decisions and which we... Uh, as a group of councillors, uh, worked on when we c- first came into office. And one of those community outcomes that we looked at, um, at which is now <coughs> in concrete, is valuing the voices of children and young people. So um, that's there in black and white. So we actually have to put our money where our mouth is. And some of the things that I've been involved in is um, getting the youth council and representatives, representatives of youth to come into council, into the building and meet the councillors and talk with the councillors, talking about what they, uh, their current um, issues are, where they think that we can work better. Um, so I'm very much about um, the democratic voice and getting the voice of those who perhaps don't feel they have one. And I think our young people and children probably don't feel they have at the moment. Recently, new information was uncovered that showed the council was not alerted to water contamination risk as soon as they were known which could have potentially, I know it's a bit iffy, but potentially prevented the coronation at all. How did it go so wrong? Well, firstly, I don't think it would have prevented the decision that we had to make about coronation. What it would have done is perhaps given us more time to talk with the community, um, to educate, to get the awareness of why it had to happen and what it was about, and to get a sort of a bit of a two-way conversation going rather than having to make a very quick decision. It is a temporary situation. We love our water. I don't think we'll ever take it for granted again. Um, And we have got one of the highest usages of water in 
the country and to, we t- you take it for granted. Um, so maybe we'll be a bit more careful next time. But we are determined that we will um, meet the water standards that are required without chemicals. Yeah, as you mentioned, Christchurch has quite high water usage for a city its size. And you said you hope the coronations will cause people to take it for granted less. How big of an issue is the water usage? Well, I think it is a big issue because I think it shows that we don't value it. You know, I think if we valued it more, we would be a bit more careful about it. I know that Selwyn um, has a water charge. And, you know, that's a conversation we might have to have in the future. That Yeah, potentially. I mean, I was talking with a woman the other day who runs a business. She's charged for the water that she uses. Um, it's it's significantly less than other parts of the country, but it is still a charge um, for them, and they have to accommodate that. Uh, so she's very careful about how she uses her water, and she we were having a discussion about how she could make sure that, she, that there were no leakages, that nothing was being wasted. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's the kind of conversation we need to have mm-hmm. as residents. So, uh, this segment is called Quick Questions. Uh, I'll put 60 seconds on the clock and you'll just try to answer as many as you can. So, let's begin. If you could save one building that was demolished after the earthquake, which would it be? The um, Edmunds uh, Band Rotunda. Awesome. If it was up to you, would you have restored the cathedral or torn it down? I restored it. On a scale of 1 to 10, how important is sustainability to you? 10. Why did you become a councillor? I was asked to consider it, but also because I have uh, a sense that uh, there is inequity in the city and we need to address it. Are you pro-cycle ways? Absolutely, I bike every day. Oh. <laughs> what is the key to a better Christchurch in your opinion? Attitude. And what would you be if you weren't a councillor? A city council. Probably. Well, I've done lots of things, but I'd probably be working in community engagement building in some way. I was working in a, a program, education program called Hippie before this, which was um, raising aspirations for education by teaching young parents to work with their um, preschoolers getting ready for school. Great. Awesome. Well, that was 60 seconds. That was a pretty good effort, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That segment has honestly never worked ever. You should have seen it. Really? Ever and else. Yeah. Well, it doesn't work because I mess it up. Oh, <laughs> not anyone else. But no, well, you did it. You, you yeah. did really well. I probably said yeah. it in the most questions answered yet. So oh, good. Feminism. Do I get money? Feminism. <laughs> Great. So, um, a new venue featuring all different kinds of entertainment has popped up on the corner of Gloucester and Colombo Street. And what do you think of the new addition to our CBD? Oh, I think it's fantastic. I love the fact that um, Michael has um, gone with his passion. He hasn't given up. And he's recognised the need for um, a, a venue for people who want to um, do experimental kind of theatre and performance. He's providing a wonderful nurturing environment for that to happen. And it's going to enrich us all. I mean, I, gra- I think the arts in the city, we, it's about our soul. You know, we spend a lot of time thinking about, you know, roads and drains. And the arts are our, who we are and our soul. And we need, we need people like Michael, so it's fantastic. Absolutely. Well, I wanted to know more about the little Andromeda pop-up venue, so I jumped on my Lime scooter and zoomed on over. Yay. Check it out. <laughs> I'm here at the little Andromeda pop-up venue. I'm catching the show La Uvegana. I've enjoyed the casual theatre experience so much, I'm going to speak with the owner, Michael Bell, to find out how this all began. 
I've been for the last four years uh, pushing uh, for a permanent multi-use theatre in Christchurch. Uh, it's something that we've been really desperately missing since the earthquake. Um, and it's made life really tough for a lot of festivals, a lot of independent theatre producers, many professional theatre companies in Christchurch. I managed to get the lowdown from local performer Albany about the impact the venue has on the arts in Christchurch. It was an opportunity for Christchurch to grow in terms of the arts, for allowing people like myself who are, I guess, eager practitioners uh, to have a voice, to have a space, to be able to do what they love. Uh, yeah, because, I mean, for us, for Silver Islanders, everything's in Auckland and Wellington, so there's not many opportunities in Christchurch. So to have this venue here for us to, to voice our, our shows, it's a blessing. It's a blessing and a very humble opportunity for us. Michael said he hopes locals come to see the many shows lined up over the next few weeks. Well, it's only here for another few weeks. Um, it's a classic Christchurch pop-up experience. It's got shipping containers and everything, food trucks, a bar. Uh, come and experience really casual theatre. It's a really casual place to hang out, so it's not a $50, $100 show. It's mm. just... $10. Yeah, just come and hang out, and the show's just like... A, a bonus almost, you know. What is a city without culture? I don't know about you guys, but I know there's a lot more to the rebuild than just buildings and roads. So if you want to support the local art scene, head on down to the little Andromeda pop-up venue while it's still here. And that's what's up, Ototahi. What's up, this next segment is called Things Aren't Right and I'm Angry. <laughs> we will both read the opinion section of the press and hear what locals have to complain about today. The first one, actually right here, it's just back to the coronation actually, mm. but that's quite an interesting letter sent in by Bronwyn Frost. She said, for those of us who suffer skin complaints, I was not pleased to read the front page headline in yesterday's paper, chlorine and water could have been avoided. So obviously we talked and you disagree. Mm. Um, that must be pretty frustrating for you when media latches on to yes. things like that. It's not helpful. Yeah. We do a lot of work to try and um, reassure people that the decisions that we're making, we've, you know, we've thought about them really carefully and we're not making them lightly. And to have that um, come up, uh, I felt yeah, upset about that, to be honest, because mm. it erodes confidence in the decision makers, yeah. And what I, everything I know is that despite the fact that we could have known earlier, we still, uh, infrastructure was still in a position where it was, you know, needing to be treated, our water was needed to be treated while it was being fixed. Whether we had learnt that in June or whether we learnt that in December, um, we still would have, had to, but we would have had more time and I think that's the difference. Yeah. Um, I think some people believe that um, somehow councils have got a secret water supply where it's just untreated. Yeah, that, there have been a lot of theories like that. I heard that you saying it's temporary is a complete lie and we're always going to have chlorinated yeah. water. That, that just must make you guys laugh though when yeah. you hear things like yeah. that. And, and council staff, we all drink the same water and we all have the same issues. No, we're all distraught about it. You know, the fact mm. that chlorine's in the water, we just, you know, it's awful. But it is a good thing in that it shows how much we value our pure, untreated water yeah. from our aquifers. But, you know, our aquifers are, you know, we've got to watch out for them. They could be, we've taken them for granted as well. You know, we've got the potential for nitrates to be leaching into them from farming. We've got all sorts of things that could potentially happen. 
and we don't want to alarm, you know, be alarmist, but we do have to be careful. Awesome. So I just will just draw your attention to no tea for petrol, just on the right side yeah. here. It's just an interesting, I thought, opinion. Something a bit different. This is from R. Lucas from Papua Nui. Mm -hmm. He said, all this talk about no cheaper petrol in the South Island amazes me. I get 15 cents per litre off from my local challenge station, and anyone can get a discount at MPG stations. What do you think about the hike in petrol prices? Not even just from the council. I, mean, I know you guys yeah, don't want to hear them, I, I feel for people who have to rely on their cars, and have to, you know, I think about the families out at Rolleston, for example, who have to travel in, you know, and... Yeah. Every day on that road, um, they don't have a choice <coughs> at the moment. I think that this uh, uh, this petrol price is motivation. It's a motivation for us to start thinking really quickly about alternative ways of getting around. You, our public trans the, the issue for me is that the public transport system isn't good enough. No. So we can't say you've got an alternative. So if we could just get that going up a little bit better, more efficient, more quick, cheaper. I think that price is a barrier for people. Um, I believe that actually two dollar two dollar fares should we it should be a public service. What's up, So the city council has an action plan in place to end smoking in Christchurch by twenty twenty five. Yes. Um, I believe you got you get reports on the plan at the social community development and housing committee. Yes. Um, how is the progress going? Well, we have just implemented a six-month trial involving 20 cafes to make, completely, to make them completely smoke-free outside and inside for six months. They uh, voluntarily sign up to that. They want to do it. There is no... Um, people won't be prosecuted if they, if they smoke outside at the moment. Mm -hmm. It's a trial, sort of, really, to see how it goes. Um, so I think that if... I think it will be successful. 85% of Cantabrians don't smoke, and research shows that the majority supports smoke-free environment inside and outside. Um, responders um, have said that they uh, have been asked about it, and people are, are keen. Mm. So I think we to reach that 2025 thing, I think it's about um, modelling to our young people you know, when people walk past and see people smoking, it has a there is a bit of a subconscious message that is put through there. Um, so it's, I think it will be. Um, I think it's it, it'll it'll be a good thing. That's good. Um, why do you think this is important for our city? You know, to do this. Well, we all know the the effects of smoking on health and financially too. Yeah. Um, and I think that as we rebuild, I think it's an emphasis on well-being. Um, it's, you know, Christchurch is leading the way in so many ways. We should feel so proud of, the, of what we're doing. So this will be actually the first of this in, in the country. Christchurch will be the first city to do this. So um, let's be proud of it. Let's say yay. Yeah. We are making a statement for our community's health. Yeah. And we're saying no one needs to smoke. It's bad. In all ways. That's so, awesome. Yeah. So how did, how and I guess when did the council decide that this wasn't just going to be New Zealand, you know, smoke-free Aotearoa, it was going to be smoke-free Christchurch and you guys were going to lead that? Yeah, I, I actually don't know the answer to that, Devon. I think it might have been before my time, yeah. I think. Yes. So I'm not sure when that came through. That's cool. But I mean, it's good that I think the council is 
Yeah, Absolutely, we're yeah. aspirational. You know, we're seeing we're seeing where we want to be. We've got we've got, you know, we want the best for our people and the best for our city, and so we're going for it. For sure. So, what is the smoke? Oh, the smoke-free public spaces policy. Yes. that was what you were just yes. talking about, right? Yeah. Um. Recently, you decided to include council-owned footpaths. Yes. Used for outdoor do- outdoor dining in the policy. Yes. Um. This decision has received a bit of public backlash. Do you still stand by it? Yes, I do. And it, because of the support that we're getting from the people, you know, the, the restaurateurs, the owners of the businesses, yeah. they're keen for it. Yeah, I understand that Jamie Goff wasn't too happy about it. I, I think that's probably because he has been a smoker and he understands, you know, ha- the challenges of being a smoker and not being able to smoke, yeah. I guess. But, you know, in some ways... It, Creating an environment where it's not okay to smoke might be helping people who generally do want to give up smoking. There are not many people you meet that actually are happy that they're smoking. So by providing, by saying, well, look, you can't smoke here, may seem a little bit, you know, punitive, but I think it is really, you know, encouraging them to give up. Yeah. And you guys don't think that maybe, you know, putting on the outside boundary, you don't think it's a bit too much? You think... No, I don't think so, because I think, you know, we've got to think about our kids. You know, they're walking past, they see things, if they see people smoking, they're breathing it in, secondhand smoke is just as damaging. The people that work in the, and I I know it's outside, but people who work in the businesses, they're they're breathing it in as well. Yeah. Um, It's a wee bit like advertising in some ways, you know, like I've just been at an alcohol uh, objection to a uh, off-license being set up in Horsball today, and, you know, when you've got kids around and they're seeing alcohol being advertised, they're seeing alcohol outlets, it kind of normalises something subconsciously. And I think we've just got to be really careful about the messages that we're giving to our young people. And I think having people outside smoking probably isn't good modelling. Yeah. So as you said, the policy is voluntary yes. as of right now. Um, do you still think that, I mean, you obviously still think that it could make a difference even though... You know, well, as I say, there's about 20 cafes who who want to be involved they mm-hmm. want to be completely smoke free that's just the beginning and there has been a you know they they're choosing to be involved yeah so i think there will be it'll be like the whole smoke free thing inside you know at the beginning yeah. people said oh the hell we're going to live without mm-hmm. being able to have a smoke and now you know we wouldn't even think we'd, it'd be disgusting if we were sitting in a restaurant and someone was smoking beside us yeah so we we can change and uh, adapt yeah awesome um Great. Well, Anne, uh, thank you so much for coming on to the show. We all appreciate everything you're doing for the city. And if you find yourself at the intersection of Gloucester and Colombo Street, stop in at the little Andromeda pop-up venue. It'll be a decision you don't regret. And that's what's up with Tahi.